This podcast is a project of the Mass Cultural Council. We believe in the power of culture, the arts, humanities, and sciences to enrich communities, advance equity, and foster creativity. With the involvement of the arts, now you're talking about letting them explore those same concepts in highly contrasting context, which is how we support transfer of learning. Hi, I'm Anita Walker, Executive Director at the Mass Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is Terry Walkowitz. She is Education Director for the New Bedford Symphony Orchestra, and welcome to our program. Thank you so much for having me. You know what? You and I have not talked, and I am so eager to hear what you are doing in the education program at the New Bedford Symphony, in particular, uh, your learning and concert program. So first, talk about what you do. Well, I've been the education director at New Bedford Symphony for the past 10 years. Woohoo. Um, and learning in concert really developed over time. It was more of a process of starting with the education program that the orchestra currently had 10 years ago, and each year evolving it and learning each year about how we can have the most impact with the children in our community. Through that process, I think it was about five years ago where we really settled into this nice place uh, where the program seemed to have came into formation, and I had to make up a name. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> learning in concert. Learning in concert. And the, the term in concert has two meanings, right? So in concert, the program culminates with a concert with the New Bedford Symphony Orchestra. But the, also the term in concert means connected, learning by making connections. So it kind of has a double meaning, which is really, really explains what we do. So it's more than a young people's concert. It's more than... Young people assemble in the hall and the uh, conductor says, now we're going to hear this and listen for this and listen for this. And this is the names of the instruments and hear that. And now here we have a concert. I mean, that would be sort of the stereotypical idea of what a symphony orchestra education program is. And really what we did is we just took traditional education outreach programming that most orchestras have. Uh, an in-school assembly with a small number of musicians, maybe some classroom visits, and then a young people's concert. The only thing we did differently is we connected the curriculum across these encounters, really increasing the impact. Um, So the young people's concert, instead of just being a one and done, is our capstone. That's where the children come to celebrate the work that they've done in the learning and concert program throughout the year. So take us through take us through the curriculum from the very first encounter with the what age group are we working with? Second grade all the way up depending on the year through eighth grade. But I have to say when I'm writing the curriculum, I'm thinking third and fourth grade okay. in my head. All right. So you start out First phase is the in-school assembly. I bring a trio of musicians with me, and we launch the concept of study. Then I return and visit each individual classroom, and that's kind of the doing of the program. The children will work with the uh, the concept. Um, there will Such be such as what's a concept. So last year, my my thought was to connect three compositional techniques used by Beethoven that also serve as models to reduce plastic pollution. Now, that was a surprising connection. <laughs> that was a little off, right? Beethoven didn't even have plastic. Do you know he, this? He didn't. And, but, but you know what? He would have never used, I can tell you for sure, he would have never used single-use plastic products because Beethoven was one of the most resourceful composers I can think of. He could take just a few notes 
And he would never just play those few notes once and toss them away in the trash. He would take those few notes and he could he could create an entire symphony out of a small amount of source musical material. So Beethoven would never thrown away a musical idea after one single use. And that thought to me realized that we can learn these models about how to be more responsible with our use and disposable disposal of plastic products by following his lead and how he handled the creative use of musical material. So we don't, in music, we don't use the words reuse, repurpose, recycle. We use different terms. However, those words speak to connecting to kids where they are. So yes, we explored how Beethoven reuses a musical idea, repurposes it, modifies it, and even will take a small amount of it and completely rework it into a brand new product, almost not recognizable in the music. But if you look closely, you realize that the raw material for that new product was recycled from his original idea. So what will the children be doing in the class? So this was from last year. So first we went in, we did the uh, launch the program with our in-school assembly. And then I went back in and the first thing that we did is that we used Lego blocks um, to explore one of Beethoven's most famous musical ideas, the, the four-note Famous from his Fifth Symphony. (laughs) And and we use Lego blocks to represent that because we don't want any barriers between us that you don't read music or you don't speak English. I mean, there's really about removing barriers between the the concept and how the student's going to experience that. So three short little Lego blocks. And then the last one is a little longer and moves a little lower. So then they took that musical idea and they made the variants themselves. They showed how to reuse that idea through Lego blocks. They repurposed it by playing it backwards, flipping it upside down, which in music we call that inverting. They added additional parts. They even expanded and compressed the musical space. And then after that, we coded... They became composers. Oh, absolutely. Then we coded those variants into the computer. And using a makey-makey, all we had to do was touch the alligator clips linked to these beautiful light bulbs to show Beethoven's idea. What's a makey-makey? A a makey-makey is uh, essentially... It's a way that you can create an external keyboard for your computer. So instead of typing on your laptop, you could type on anything that conducts electricity. So a bunch of bananas, or you could touch Play-Doh, or you can hook them. Gummy worms are great, but you eat them and then you don't have anything anything to (laughs) type on your computer. It's just a system of allowing our students access to playback. They can compose, but then facilitating playback if they don't play an instrument, the makey-makey technology allows them to touch sensors and hear the music that they've composed. We, we did this a few years ago with, when we explored gravity and space and sound, and they learned how chord cycles in classical music could imitate the gravitational pull and orbital rates of planets in our solar system. So they in the classroom, they created these little Play-Doh planets. We coded the chord cycles into the computer, and they were able to play their planet's chord cycle simply by touching the Play-Doh planets. Oh. So it's a way for them to create music and hear it played back. So in Beethoven, we had the sensors. They, they could perform their music. And then we thought about some of the techniques we used And then we brainstorm ways that we could do those same techniques with the way that we use and dispose of plastic products. They had to make that connection. So maybe if they had taken um, a musical idea and inverted it, flipped it upside down, they thought, well, we could do that same technique by taking a used plastic soda bottle, the two-liter bottle, 
if I cut off the top and I flip it upside down, I convert it into a, a, a planter that mm-hmm. I could reuse and, and repurpose. So they try to connect their musical concepts to the science component. And then we finished up our classroom lesson. I brought in microplastic samples. They looked closely at the microplastic uh, samples to classify them and try to make a guess what item did this break off of to really understand how plastic never goes away. It just breaks into small and smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, when they came to the concert, we perf- oh, we played Beethoven, right? <laughs> I mean, we're going to do that. But there was a huge screen that we put above our orchestra at the concerts. And the concert is is really about featuring them. So throughout the concert, we heard students on video on those big screens talking about the compositions they created, the techniques they used, and how they could carry that over to uh, plastic uh, repurposing, recycling, and reuse. And then we played, the orchestra plays some of the uh, school's Be Like Beethoven variants. So they actually got to hear their music performed by orchestra. So a typical school year, there's these three encounters trying to create this connection, not not just with our organization to the children, but this idea that to understand things in music and art and our world requires a bit of connectivity, right? We, as adults, we're very modular, right? We like, we think in subject areas, but children do not learn that way. So the whole concept of learning in concert is about a specific form of arts integration called concept-based arts integration. Now, we know a lot about arts integration, right? out there, lots of people doing it, but there's a lot of examples of, of poor arts integration. <laughs> Give example, speak to that. What is an example? Of, we always say great examples on oh, the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Well, but let's hear some bad examples. Well, I would think that uh, one in music would be singing songs about. So teacher runs up to you in the school and says, oh, we're doing a unit on the dinosaurs. Can you sing some songs about the dinosaurs? And you know, that's great for the science teacher because she's finding an, a fun element to help with memorization of facts. But in truth, music is being used to serve the learning in the science area while not achieving any authentic outcomes of its own. So another example, I think, in visual arts is let's make a poster of the water cycle, right? The students display all of their information they've learned in science class on these beautiful posters. And the real test of whether it's a good arts integration is when the teacher goes to assess those posters are they assessed only for the science content or are they assessed for visual elements like value and line and contour? I mean, that that's where it seems that there's a little bit of a, you know, uneven, uneven playing field here. So we've had a long history of the arts being used to serve the learning in other academic subject areas with music and art teachers feeling a little bit uh, devalued that, that the, my role is to, to help learning in other academics while my own learning objectives do not seem as, as important. And what you're saying is that it is possible to achieve both. It really is. If we move away from topics, most people, schools loves topics. You know, you move you know, class to class and you sp- study specific topics. Um, if we rise above that one more level to concept, here's where we find the opportunity for authentic connection across Uh, disciplines. So a concept is something that is shared between different subject areas, but that it's represented in those subject areas equally, authentically, with no 
one area serving and learning another. And, and it forms a two-way street, right? So the learning in one subject area strengthens and supports learning in other and vice versa. And it would seem to me, uh, based on what you're saying, that it also serves children well because not every child takes in information in exactly the same way. And some may instantly grasp the recycling of plastic concept when they hear it when they hear it and or can, we know children connect with music absolutely very easily so it's also a service to children. It really is. I mean, there's a lot of research that's been done on multiple representations and use of rep multiple representations to uh, build deep understandings. And multiple representations, I mean, you, you just spoke to it. Most of the time in school, we receive information through the written or spoken word. And that might not be the preferred pathway for some students. And for some who are not native English speakers, that is definitely not my all. pathway. Mm -hmm. So multiple representations means you look at that shared concept and you think, how many different ways can I represent it? How many different ways visually through sound? Is there a way for them to construct it? It's all about removing those barriers between the, the, the concept, the understanding, and to access that, that child. So when I'm developing this, um, I'm thinking to myself, how many different ways can I show this? Um, this year we're exploring quadruped gates and track patterns and hearing how those quadruped gates, the rhythm of their limbs, create rhythms that are saturated in classical music. All right, you're going to have to slow down here because you <laughs> lost me at quadruped gates. <laughs> quadruped is any animal that moves on four legs or limbs. And when they, their limbs strike the ground, it creates a rhythm. And if you listen to the ways that quadrupeds move, whether it's a walk or a trot or a canter or a gallop, it's a different rhythmic figure, the sound of their limbs hitting the ground. And I realized that those rhythms are everywhere in classical music, everywhere. So for me, when I, we, we had an assembly with the students where we perform music that shares the same limb rhythmic activity as the quadrupeds in classical music. So I use a PowerPoint. I use the screen to help pull their attention to certain aspects of the music. So on one PowerPoint screen, I might show the quadruped uh, fast walking gait. They're hearing it through the musicians. They would see it moving in time with tracks, the animal tracks moving across the screen. And then I'll take those tracks and add numerical. So one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Then I show it in musical notation, and then I add numerical musical notation, and then they see the animal moving exactly like that. So that's the idea of multiple representations. Within that one screen, during that piece of music, how many ways am I representing that concept? I'm just thinking of da 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 William Tell, right? Yeah. You know what? I thought that was a gallop. It's not a gallop. It isn't? All these years, we thought that that was a gallop. That's not a, unless you have a three-legged horse, that's not a gallop. What is it? It's called a full bound. Oh. So rabbits do this where they have their front limbs strike separately and then their rear, rear feet hit together. And then there's a moment where all their limbs come up in the air. And that rhythm is ba-da-dum, 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 ba-da-dum. Oh, it's a rabbit. It's no horse. It's William no horse. Tell Orbiter is a rabbit. Yeah, yeah, we need to fix that. <laughs> we need to go and rewrite <laughs> William Tell Overture to add the extra notes that we have. You know, it's quadruped four legs, yeah, right? Yeah. So that it represents that gallop. See this discovery we made just by having this conversation? I bet you get a lot of aha moments in the classroom. Really do. And t a teachers, it's been very impactful for our educators. 
Uh, by the way, I don't, I don't go into the music teacher's classrooms. I was going to say, whose class are you in? I go to the classroom teacher's classroom, and that is absolutely by design. Music teachers, they understand what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. They obviously have my back, right? Mm-hmm. But classroom teachers often, when they send their kids to music or art class, they have this idea that, oh, okay, they're getting a break, getting their recess, you know, let them have their downtime. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of seen that way. So by bringing this type of concept-based arts integration into their classroom, I'm modeling for them that music and art is vital to understanding the same concepts you're trying to teach your students. And for them, it is an aha moment because they're like, oh, I never knew that music did that. Oh, by the way, we're teaching. I'm teaching the orbits, orbital rates of planets right now. I didn't know they could hear that. And for me, that has been one of the most impactful outcomes of this program is that classroom teachers look at the arts to understand that they are so important. The biggest compliment I get is that if the kids had not explored the concept through music, their understanding would have been incomplete. Perfect. And and one other observation that I make as you describe all this, the arts, whether it's visual arts or music or dance, requires actually doing and participation and making by the student, as opposed to listening and learning and remembering, which is another way of learning. But arts brings a doing component for the tactile learners and the auditory learners, and just the mere fact of a making of a thing sticks to you better. It's true. And in, in, in education, we call this transfer of learning. So the idea that you learn something in one instance, and then later on, you can use that information again. This is the whole freak out moment for all schools with the testing, right? So they're like, okay, um, they're working on this math concept. And I'm, I'm just, the teachers get so worried. Oh my goodness. Well, how's it going to be on the test? Is it going to be like, well, we, maybe we should just practice these workbook problems more. Transfer of learning requires that you uh, explore something, explore a, a, a concept in as many uh, different ways as possible highly contrasting context. So if I just keep them going on the workbook, hour after hour, oh, they're going to get better grades. I'm just going to add an hour, Mm -hmm. right? They're going to find on the test the the understanding does not improve because they can't carry that understanding over to the test because they're not sure how they're going to present the information. With the involvement of the arts, now you're talking about letting them explore those same concepts in highly contrasting context, which is how we support transfer of learning. So it's almost interesting to us that the cure, right? The cure, we got to have better test grades. The cure is in the involvement of the arts to facilitate transfer of learning. Just doing more of it within that math class is not the answer. It's not going to solve the problem. I have to tell you, Terry, that I have been an advocate for arts education for a long time, but for you have made me understand what arts integration is in a way that I have never understood before, which tells me that you are a great teacher, and even though we didn't explore a musical concept specifically to this, we certainly did at the same time. I mean, I think it was the music concepts that you embedded in the learning descriptions. Yeah, I didn't get to play with Legos, and I didn't get to work on a You need to play with Legos. I totally need to do that. (laughs) Terry Wachowitz, Education Director for New Bedford Symphony Orchestra, another one of our creative minds out loud. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.